Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to your favorite podcast, The Wake Before the Day. We're talking about the Bible, specifically for <laughs> Shocker, chapter 10. I know, <laughs> probably a real a real barn burner here. I, we are glad to welcome you. Surprise. Yeah, that's right. So when, when you think about life, one of the things that allows you to drive and cook and survive are these things called warnings. And why do we have warnings? Why do we have we warnings? We have warnings because they keep us from getting hurt. Like, don't go off the road, <laughs> or stay in your lane, don't change lanes, or yes. don't put this kind of fuel in this kind of tank. It's flammable, or whatever it is. Yes. So up to this point, Paul has given an insane amount of warnings to the church in Corinth, and they've yeah. all been very valid things. Yeah. Bobby and I are going to ping pong back and forth real quick, just to keep you up to date as to what they've been saying at this point. Yeah, so chapter three kind of warns building ministry carefully so that your labor isn't in vain. Yep. It also kind of warns that if we destroy God's temple, that there's going to be ramifications. Yeah, and yeah. in chapter five, he explains using this mold and food language that if you have mold on your food, it doesn't infect just part of it. It infects all of it. Mm-hmm. Chapter six talks about being mindful that sexual immortality, that thieves, immorality. that greed, sorry, immorality, <laughs> more sexual forever. There you go. <laughs> These um, these kind of acts cause you to not inherit the kingdom of God. Yep. So we need to be on guard. And two chapters later, verse chapter 8, it talks about how food sacrificed to idols can cause a great deal of confusion to people who might not be yet in the church or are new to Christians thinking that, hey, you know, you can worship the goddess of whatever that you just sacrificed your stake to, and that's compatible with following Jesus. And Paul is saying, warning, warning, no, that's not true. And worship then just God yesterday God in chapter 9, he's saying live, you know, the correct way live um, in such a way that you deny yourself, that your sin doesn't disqualify you. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow we're going to talk about communion and the Lord's Supper and the warning that he gives us there. And then eventually, um, at the end of 1 Corinthians, we get a warning that there is, um, that there's no love from the Lord for the person that will be cursed. Yeah. And so that's a big warning. Yeah. So lots of warnings. In order for Paul to help us understand what's being said right here and now, he actually goes back to the Exodus account to help us understand this new life that God's inviting us into. Yes. And so he uses words about Exodus and mm-hmm. Egypt and the Red Sea and baptism. And if you look at verse 2, mm-hmm. what essentially he's saying is that, that the people of God have experienced something that is like a baptism as they pass through the waters of slavery in Egypt to new life in the promised land. And he says, from death in Egypt to life with God, here you go. Because that's a picture of what baptism is. It's a sign and yeah. symbol. It's a seal of the work of the Spirit in the heart, the washing away of sin, mm-hmm. and the new life that's ours in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so just like communion today, if you go to verses 3 and 4 now, he starts talking about the spiritual food that was offered to God's people out in the, the wilderness. God provided them manna. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the, the idea of baptism and then bread and drink, there's the idea of they had salvation, they had baptism, they had communion. They had the sacraments and everything that you need today to, to walk in your walk with the Lord and grow spiritually, yeah. they had back then. And then verse 5, it says the dead were scattered in the desert because they forfeited their inheritance to the life with God for things of this world. Mm-hmm. It's an end time, then sin, death, and decay take over, 
and you're not going to experience a, a life that is described as flourishing. Yeah. I really enjoy how Paul and so many of the New Testament writers, I mean, Jesus himself in the New Testament, because co- they're constantly linking back to the Old Testament. Yeah. So whether it's a warning or a story or whatever it is, I think that just helps us really understand a, a fuller picture of who God is. I think if you're just sitting in the book of Exodus and you're kind of considering these things, it, how could you even imagine or picture, you know, what has mm. ha- what has transpired now? And so Paul, going back, not only brings a call of unity, but also deeper understanding for us today, but then for the church in Corinth yeah. too. And it's like, hey, understand who you are. Remember, greater than that, because we know that the the law in the Old Testament revealed that to ourselves, who we are, but it also revealed who God is. Mm-hmm. So greater than that, remember who God is and our relationship with him. Yeah. And so there's the verses continue um, just with more example. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit to sexual immorality as some of them did and did in Oh, yes. And in one day, 23,000 of Oof. them died. That's referring to this crazy story back yes, in Numbers 25. If you have time, you can go back and look at it, where this guy in front of the whole congregation went and got a woman from a different clan, like not part Yikes. of God's people, and went mm. to be intimate with her in front of everybody. In- so this yeah. guy named Phineas grabbed a spear and ran them both through right. while they were on top of each other. And then people are being judged for giving into immorality right it's food or uh, or drink or sex Mm -hmm. it's like no we have to do a better job of this and one thing that's so interesting about the bible and looking back even at our own stories and just people's trajectories is that sexual immorality and idolatry are often accompanying each other yeah very rarely do you actually have one without the other yeah when you idolize your body or your pleasure or something else it's the sexual morality that allows you to fulfill those Mm -hmm. pleasures in an ungodly way and so what's so interesting is you look at like King Solomon's example, the wisest man ever created. He yeah. gives you Proverbs that talk about, like, don't sleep on the edge of a roof with a quarreling wife, or <laughs> right. it's better to do that than <laughs> be in the house with her. And uh, then he goes and makes these bad mistakes. And so there's grace for all of us, but mm-hmm. we have to learn. There's a story that my grandpa and uncle would always share back in the day, like before we were born, there was an elder at the church here that was just a straight shooter. Wouldn't, wouldn't mince words. He's just like, hey, here's here's what's... Re- what reality is and this guy from church had left for a while and uh he had got this girlfriend he was head over heels for or whatever okay. came back and was like hey you know elder i don't know if i believe in the bible anymore and the elder's response is who are you been sleeping with and the guy's like oh, oh, wait, what are you talking about he's like you believe in the bible your whole life you have followed jesus your whole life you you know the things of god and that mm. you get this girlfriend now or i heard you got a girlfriend and now you're not believing in god you're shacking up. And sure enough, the guy was. And he was trying to justify his behavior for doing what he wanted to do. And the mm-hmm. elder just saw right through it and was like, yeah, I'm not buying it. He's like, this is all true. You're trying to justify your sin. Yeah. And it's not going to end well for you. So then there's this call just to stand firm. Like, don't fall. Yeah. Stand firm. Paul talks about this in Ephesians as well. He says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Because no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out for you so that hmm. you can endure it. And so there's this word of warning. Don't set your hearts on evil like the people of Israel did. Right. Learn from them. And so one of the encouragements I give pastorally, especially the people who are like on a high for Jesus, usually it's people who like come to Christ and they're like 
all in. Yeah. And they're reading the Bible every day. They're at church. They're at every group. They're they're inviting people to church. And there's this like almost like a spiritual ecstasy. They love God. Yeah. I tell them, enjoy this while it lasts. But you have to make a decision and write yourself a letter right now. It says, when all the feelings and emotions go away, right. I will stay the course. Because what's happening is we get in this honeymoon season. Where everything is great. Oh, I'm yeah. in love and everything is everything I could ever imagine. And then eventually reality sets in. Yeah. The flesh kicks in. The worldly desires there. The devil comes and tempts. And it's like, well, now you got to stand your ground and figure out how you're going to navigate these things. Yeah. And, and part of the way of doing that is going back to the scriptures, obeying the word of God and being part of community. I love verses 14 and 15, and really even before that too, it's just kind of simple, plain talk. So mm. it sounds like this, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. And so if you think back actually to um, the month of August, when Pastor Ken was talking about spiritual warfare, and he kind of helped us understand how there's three spheres to think in, how we battle against the, our flesh, how we batter, battle against the world, and yeah. how we battle against the devil. And th- some of the takeaways I was just so encouraged by is how there's actually different strategy for each one of those um, coming against you, but also different strategies for you to um, come against them or flee or whatever it is. And Paul's saying right here in in Corinthians that for idolatry, you got to flee. And that's one of the things that Pastor Ken was saying too, mm-hmm. when it comes to things of um, the world, the world. Yeah. when it comes to the temptation um, of the world and kind of like the, the outside oppression that's coming to us, you get yeah out of there like run away go back to your community go back to what you know is right and true because like you're saying so often we we actually run to people who are going to satisfy our itching ears or they're going to give us permission to do what we want to do yeah. and and paul's saying and pastor can hey, like get treat. away from Leave. them then it, if you go to the Joseph. other categories, yeah. like we, Paul has talked about this also just yesterday in First Corinthians chapter nine, when it comes to um, the category of flesh, we need to deny. We need self denial. We need to have holy habits in place that set us mm. up for success, so that when the temptation comes, we're not re- relying on our own feeling, or we're not relying on our own physical power. We're actually relying on Holy Spirit, where we're saying, "When I'm weak, I'm strong in Christ." So we we uh, we actually are able to fast and we're actually able to withstand temptation. And then when it comes to the evil one, this was one I was just encouraged by as we kind of walked through Ephesians in August with Pastor Ken, where he said, if you're opposing the evil one, and if you look back to scripture, what we know from Jesus and through the text, we know that when we're dealing with the evil one, we need to stand. We need to stand and fight. And we have victory when we Mm -hmm. do that. And so just remembering that as we're kind of walking through Corinthians now, just the things that, you know, the spirit will recall within us. And so Paul's saying they'll remember idolatry and the things that can be connected with that. We got to flee. Yeah. <laughs> Run away. And then he has to help us understand that we're part of the community and how we live and act yeah. greatly affects other people. So this conversation on idol food and sacrifices continues. Mm-hmm. And just jump down to, to verse 18 after he's described that we're one body. He okay. says, consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat sacrifices participate in the altar. And so what he's saying mm-hmm. here is to to eat sacrificial food is to participate in the pagan act. It's like if you're doing that, you're actually participating in something more hmm. than you realize. And so participants might just think, I'm having a steak. Right. I'm having a burger. Mm-hmm. But what Paul is saying is there's a spiritual realm around you that you are participating in that you should not be participating in. Hmm. One of the clearest examples that comes to my mind right now, and I'm fully aware this is a, maybe a, a controversial topic, but should a Christian attend 
a same-sex wedding. Right. This is one of the passages I look at and helps me find my answer. No. And people will say, we have a relationship. We know them. I want to keep the relationship. Or it's saying here, if you participate in something that was meant to be uh, like a sacrimonious, this beautiful, holy ground, because marriage, again, is like this picture of God being united with his church. Right. One man who is different being united with the female who is different. And here it's like, I'm just attending the social event. I'm right. just there because I'm, fr- I'm friends with everybody. Paul is essentially telling them here, you're participating mm-hmm. in something that's bigger than what you realize it is. It might just be food mm-hmm. to you, but to them, it means something else. And you are representing God. Mm-hmm. So it keeps going. And he says in verse 19, mm-hmm. do I mean that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, an idol is nothing to the Christian, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to, offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to participate with demons. And so essentially what he's saying again is it might be a stake. It might be a social event for you. You might just be sitting on a chair, sipping your lemonade. But there's a spirit realm that's as influencing and participating in the action of the people that are gathered. And he's right. telling them, don't participate in anything that is demonic. Or I should say this more simply, anything that does not glorify the way of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so who are you going to choose between here? And what Satan does is he'll take the good gifts of God because Satan can't create. He's got nothing original. He's a pervert who, who, who contorts things that God made. Has already been made. Yeah. Has already been made. Mm-hmm. And then just shifts them and manipulates them so that right. they are something else. And that it, there's examples left and right, specifically the topic we're talking about right now, saying, hey, don't contort the good gifts God's given you. Right. That's mockery. Not helpful. Yeah. And I understand there's a tension, especially with the, the topic of attending a same-sex wedding. I, I have people, I have friends, I have people in my life who, yeah. who are living this out and some who are fighting against it, walking biblically in celibacy. I get the tension. Yeah. I understand where there's like, but I don't want to lose my friend. I'm like, you need to lift your eyes from you and your friend to, to you and the Lord and say, God, I trust you. I want to love this person as best as I can. How can I engage in this relationship where I don't honor what they're doing? I don't yep. encourage it and bless it, but I still want mm-hmm. them to know I care for them and I love them. I think if they're a real friend, then you can have a conversation with them yep. about, you know, the event. And if they love you as a friend, they should respect like where you stand. Yeah. You know, and so that's what Paul continues to get at as he unpacks this conversation about food and idols participating in a demonic pagan, you know, action versus right. hey, represent God in everything you do. Yeah. Let's continue. Okay. Paul kind of comes back to that language that he was also using in chapter nine, how he has the right to do anything. But mm. so if you pick that up in verse 23, that's kind of the same, um, same tone where he's coming from. Like, Hey, you know, we, we might have the ability to do these things. Okay. We, we could maybe do them and, and feel okay about it, but that doesn't mean they're going to be beneficial. So mm. it says this, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience for the earth is the Lord's and everything Mm. in it. So Paul's saying here that when it comes to idle food, food is food. And that's not the problem. The problem is the idol that that can represent. And so I like how he comes about it with the idea of um, both an inward and an external kind of um, examination. So he's saying, hey, examine this before the Lord. Um, like you just said, lift your eyes. Like, is this something that's God honoring? Is this something, because I I think also that's, that actually causes us to look at the plank in our own eye. You know, we're kind of focused on an external issue where it's like, when you come back to you and the Lord 
that's going to be a pretty honest place to start. And so Paul talks about it in that realm, but he also talks about it then with perception and how we're perceived with others. And I think that's hugely important. We've talked about that in the er earlier verses in Corinthians as well, where he's saying, hey, keep in mind that you're a part of something that's greater, that what you do affects so much more than yourself, and that there's people who are actually looking to you. Paul says that all the time, imitate me, imitate me, imitate me as I imitate the Father. Is that something we can say? Is that something we, you know, that's that's surely something we want to say. That's a good point. And so I, I, you know, that's another reason why sexual immorality and immorality and food keep coming up because those are the issues of the day yeah and so it's really and, it's helpful and I, th- I can't remember which episode we talked about it but some other theologian said it's about the the venue not the menu yeah because he said the food is food but mm-hmm. how it's being used based upon the motives of everybody around you change and so if it's in the marketplace, great. You can go to the grocery store and buy whatever you want. Right. But it transitions to verses 27 and 20. Right. It says, but if you're in someone's house and they tell you that this is sacrificed yes. to a, a demon, then that changes everything for you. Yes. He says, if the unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered and sacrificed, mm-hmm. then you cannot eat it, both for your sake and the one for the sake of the conscience, for the sake of others. Yeah. Again, if I had to translate this to like today, it's like if I want to attend a gathering, that's okay. But if I, Clark Corver, Pastor Clark, attend a same-sex wedding, that is going to cause confusion for totally. people there. People who are swiping yeah. through Instagram and look at the wedding picture and go, oh, look, they're congratulating. Like, yeah. They're excited. This blessing. It's like, I love these people. Yeah. I, I hope they come to know who they are in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I, I want them to stay healthy and have a good job. But I'm not going to bless this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to encourage it. And that's, again, what what Paul is saying here. He's saying if you have this food, other people are going to think that this is compatible with the way of Jesus. Right. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And so that's our, our takeaway for us today. And so as we conclude, Paul ends by saying, if I am referring to another person's conscience, not yours, why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I partake in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Mm -hmm. So whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so the glory of God is why we're here. Everything we do, we do for the glory of God. And so if you're around someone who struggles with alcohol, then don't drink alcohol. Glorify God and honor that person. If you're around someone who is a vegan, they just like rabbit food. Awesome. Don't put a juicy steak in front of them when they come over to your house and say, you got to eat this. Get them a nice <laughs> salad. Get them some nuts and berries and whatever else vegans put on their food. I don't cheese. I don't know if they can do that. I don't but like this tone. <laughs> honor them. Respect them. I'm just saying at the end of the day, they need to yes. um, be true to like what their convictions are in that way with the food. Right. And it's like, I'm not, that'd be really unloving of me to put alcohol in front of someone who struggles with that. It would. Or try to convince someone who's a vegan to eat a hamburger like that's not cool <laughs> actually and so you know i gotta do better that's good stuff yeah i love that verse th- 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 we don't want to cause anyone to stumble that's where it ends so yeah. whether you eat or drink or whatever you do yeah do it all for the glory of god you guys yeah. what a good reminder in first corinthians chapter 10 thanks for joining us and we will be back with you tomorrow in first corinthians chapter 11 another controversial one buckle up <laughs> Woo! God can't wait bless you <laughs> bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.